0: Hey, I'm Jason Biggs, and you're listening to Beyond the Plate with Cappy. I'm an aviation geek. I subscribe to different aviation-themed newsletters the magazines. Jenny calls it my plane porn, just (laughs) magazines with pictures of airplanes I could sit and read for hours and hours.
1: Season 3 of Beyond the Plate is presented by Martin's Famous Potato Rolls. Hey everyone, this is Cappy and you're listening to Beyond the Plate, a podcast where I sit down with the world's culinary elite to explore their journey with food and their passion for giving back. Every episode we share inspiring stories of what it means to be in today's hospitality industry. This season we welcome a group of celebrities that have a connection to the world of food. Whether they host a food show, have a cookbook, or simply give back through food, we're excited to have them join us on Beyond the Plate. Season three of Beyond the Plate is made possible with the help of our friends at Martin's Famous Potato Rolls. Martin's Potato Rolls are the number one branded hamburger bun in America, and as I like to say, they can make almost any burger taste better. I have to confess, I recently had a family barbecue in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where my father-in-law lives, and I had a big package, well, it was actually two boxes, of Martin's products shipped to Tulsa, as they aren't there yet, hopefully soon. Anyway, it made the barbecue that much better. Martins believes in giving back to their community. They support hundreds of charitable organizations, such as food banks, after-school programs, disaster relief, and others. To learn more about Martins, visit their website at potatorolls.com or follow them on social media at potatorolls. Martins, we thank you. Okay, back to it. For this episode, we sat with the one, the only, Mr. Jason Biggs. We caught up with Jason. We. It was only me on the line. I caught up with Jason. He was at home in New York. We chatted mostly about his life in food. As little Jason Biggs up to the current Jason Biggs talked about a recent trip to Israel. His wife just got bought mitzvahed. Super funny story. A recent pizza tasting or pizza crawl. I don't know how we want to phrase it, but we talk about New York pizza. I don't know for like half of the episode. I exaggerate a little, but we talk about it a lot. Uh, We talk about what he cooks at home, what his wife cooks at home, about his kids, his wife, Jenny Mullen, how hilarious she is and how great of a writer she is. If you don't follow dictator lunches on Instagram, you must. And last but not least, how they give back to their community. Oh, wait, also, he's on a new show that's coming out soon called Outmatched. Check out the trailer on YouTube. It's hilarious. All right, for the more formal stuff, Jason Biggs is widely known for his role in the American Pie film series. Yes, that Jason Biggs. His talents span across film, television, and stage. Next up, as I mentioned for him, is the Fox live-action family comedy, Outmatched. He was most recently seen in the independent film, Who We Are Now, opposite Julianne Nicholson, which premiered at the Toronto Film Festival. He was in Orange is the New Black. He is the voice of Leonardo in Nickelodeon's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles TV series. And most recently, Biggs also starred on stage in The Heidi Chronicles as Scoop Rosenbaum on Broadway. dum de dum just a couple things here and there. I'll stop there, but please enjoy this conversation, because I sure did, as we go beyond the plate with Jason Biggs.
0: Hey man, how are you? How you doing? I'm good, thanks. I'm good. How are you? I'm
1: doing well. Thanks for hopping on the line. Where are you now?
0: Uh, In New York. We live uh, in New York at the moment, so that's where I am. It's nice and rainy here. You're in Chicago, you said, right? Yeah,
1: I'm based in Chicago. I'm on the road a ton, but uh, here now. So when I talk to friends about you, the thing that people seem to love most is when you're on a talk show or on your Instagram feed it all feels very real and hilarious oh that's awesome (laughs) have you always been an open book like that
0: um that's a good question I like to think so I've probably become more so as an adult you know as I've gotten older I'm, I'm sure and in particular, since I met my wife, who is uh, sort of the definition of an open book, I'm sure I've been inspired by her to to be even more honest. But, but even before, I mean, it's part of the reason why we actually get along so well is because we both sort of came to the table with very open personalities and very transparent. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I feel like, I think it's a, a little bit of the American pie effect, really. Like, to sort of, to sort of come out of the gate and have the first thing that I'm known for be this movie that, um, you know, in which I do these inc- really sort of crazy things. <laughs> um, it's, it's sort of, uh, how do I explain it? It's like, you know, I, I don't want to say like, oh, I can get away with more. It just mean, I, I just think, I just think like I, you know, I, there's, there's little that can embarrass me, Right. you know, there's, there's, and, and, you you know, I feel like there's, there's not much that makes me uncomfortable.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm super glad you remembered your Instagram password the other day because, you know, there's a picture (laughs) of your ass basically. Well, not basically, there's a picture
0: of your ass. There is,
1: Um, No, so no, no fear in that, I suppose.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, no, no fear, really. I mean, I've always kind of prided myself on being someone who would do anything for a laugh. uh, And, you know, I kind of got cast in the perfect role uh, with American Pie in that sense. And yeah, sort of that, but that same sort of no fear, uh, nothing makes me uncomfortable attitude kind of, it applies to almost every aspect of my life, I would say.
1: Yeah. So I'd say we sort of know the adult Jason Biggs, but what was Jason Biggs like as a kid?
0: Oh boy, you know, it, it, (laughs) <laughs> probably what i remember i remember being confused you know i was like i was a kid actor i started when i was five years old in new york city so i so i was like a professional at a very young age but i was also you know just trying to be a regular kid and had you know went to a normal public school in new jersey in the suburbs and you know so i was kind of like living like these w- two sort of separate lives you know I, on the one hand i was like a professional actor working with adults in new york city and then on the other hand i was living in small town new jersey as i i was just a regular kid playing sports and going to school and trying to make friends so <laughs> to say that that was confusing would be a bit of an understatement but but it certainly made me who i am today i mean that's for sure i mean it certainly made me an outlier in terms of hollywood and and by the time i you know was cast in american pie i already had sort of all this experience under my belt. But um, yeah, otherwise I was, you know, I mean, if you take that huge component of me being a professional actor away, I'd say I was a normal kid. I was, you know, fairly normal kid. Um, Nothing too extraordinary or atypical about me.
1: So take us to your family table in New Jersey as a Mm -hmm. kid. Do you have some memories that stick out?
0: Oh, sure. Um, Well, I grew up in an Italian-American household uh in an, in a very italian american neighborhood in new jersey and so you know sunday was sort of the big day for us you know we i was i was a latchkey kid my, both of my parents worked you know i'd come home after school and you know you'd you'd sort of make yourself a snack and then you know uh if my mom got home in time she she she'd quickly put dinner together you know sometimes Uh, you know, maybe she cooked the night before and froze something, or maybe she, maybe she cooked on the weekend and she froze something and we would have to take it out and defrost it ourselves or, you know, so during the week, um, things were sort of unpredictable and kind of scattered. And, you know, mostly it was my mom sort of rushing something together, but, but, you know, always getting us fed, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and then, but then the weekends, obviously, you know, were, there was a, From what I remember, there was certainly more effort put into it. You know, my mom would, you know, on Sunday get a sauce going and, um, you know, some pasta, you know, depending on the time of year. Maybe there'd be a, a London broil going or a pot roast, something, you know, but but Sundays tend tended to be a little bigger. And and of course they were it were early dinners, you know, Sunday uh, for, for, you know, an Italian American household that we're talking about a 2 PM dinner, you know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes like my we'd...
1: Thanksgiving every year.
0: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. So that I, I remember those Sundays very fondly. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Nice. So was mom the main cook at, at home or did dad ever cook?
0: Yeah. Mom was the main cook. Dad never really cooked. Although, I uh, I remember stories. So when my, I I would have to travel for for work when I was a kid, you know, and I'd move places for for months at a time, depending on what what job I had. And there was a stretch where my mom and I were living in L.A. while I was doing a TV show. And so my dad was back with my sisters and (laughs) and and he was, you know, in charge, I guess, of, of cooking and, you know, what my mom would try to do was every time we would come back home, my mom would literally just cook like for days and freeze as much stuff as possible for my dad. But my sister always recalls still to this day makes fun of him because he would make the spaghetti, but she called them stuck in spaghetti because they would basically – he would make this pot of spaghetti and then all of the pasta noodles would be completely <laughs> stuck together. you you pour the sauce on it and then you'd go to eat it and you'd just like pick up and it would just be one – huge thing all the (laughs) spaghetti would be stuck together you know because he forgot to put olive oil or butter in the pasta after you know before you put the sauce on yeah he just it never occurred to him you know
1: (laughs) did you ever help cook when you were a kid
0: not really a little bit we would sometimes get put on whenever we were having like meatloaf or or something that required a gravy. We were in charge of 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 gravy, of stirring the gravy for you know, because it was sort of a, uh, you know, it was a, uh, you know, it was it was a task that you know was really boring, and <laughs> you know, d- my mom would be busy doing something else, paying attention to the side dishes, and I'd be standing there on a stool, just stirring the gravy for, you know, however long.
1: Nice. So I know you're super into food, but do you remember the first thing that you ate that you were like, holy crap, that's good?
0: Hmm. Um, I remember my, the first time that I had crab legs because my dad, it's funny, my dad is an amazing eater in terms of quantity this is a little dude all right he barely breaks five foot five inches and but he he literally at his old job they they once flew him to chicago actually to have a steak eating contest with a guy (laughs) with a guy in there in the company's chicago office i forget where they might have gone gene and Giorgetti or something but uh, my my little dad went out there and like you know downed a you know forty eight or sixty four ounce steak or something insane, but anyway, um, but he doesn't he have a very um, diverse palate. He's very sort of pasta, pizza, meat, potatoes, right? But he can put it away. Yeah. <laughs> um, but my mom, my mom was always a little more adventurous and liked fish. And I always kind of followed her lead. And I just remember the first time I had crab legs and I I believe we were down in Ocean City, Maryland. And I just was like, wow, this is terrific. I need more. I need more of this in my life. Um, So as a kid, a little bit of exposure and, you know, uh, like, you know, a few memories like that where I remember trying something that I hadn't tried before and thinking, wow, this is This is cool. This is new. There's more than just meat and potatoes out there. But it wasn't really until I moved out on my own and 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 even really it was, you know, once I started traveling, you know, travel is an amazing thing because you realize how many different kinds of cuisines are out there. And and, uh, you know, so once I started traveling, when I was in my early 20s, that's that's when the exposure really happened. And, and I just loved it. I mean, I just, you know, I still will try absolutely anything. That's awesome. Um,
1: Yeah. Very cool. So you, uh, you mentioned earlier, this jogged my memory. I got, when I was doing some research, I hear that you used to be a killer tennis player, right?
0: (laughs) I don't know about, I don't know about killer, (laughs) but, uh, (laughs) but I, I did play tennis in high school. Um, and yeah, mm mm-hmm
1: was there like a go-to meal when you would come home or was that like maybe? Nope.
0: No, not, not so much a go-to. There was a deli across the street from our high school that, you know, had the typical Jersey deli fair, you know, you could still get a, a Taylor ham and an egg sandwich, uh, there, you know, even at three in the afternoon after school. So I would rock that sometimes or just a bagel buttered roll, you know, kind of the standards. And then, you know, after a match, yeah. Again, it sort of was one of those things, you know, Hey mom, what's, what's for dinner tonight? You know, and she'd be like, I, you know, I don't know. Let me, let me, I think I have some, uh, some meat in the fridge. Let's let me, I'll make a meatloaf. real quick. You know, it was kind of, <laughs> yeah. you know, it was kind of very ad hoc, very fly by the seat of your pants kind of
1: thing. Got it. So wait, so in 2000, I think it was 2002, you were in a Broadway production of mm-hmm. The Graduate with Alicia yep. Silverstone. Correct. And she was recently a guest on the podcast and oh, wow. spoke, yeah, she, was, she spoke extremely passionately, as I'm sure you're aware about, uh-huh. a vegan lifestyle. Yep. Do you think you could ever be vegan?
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I guess is the short. (laughs) No, I mean, look, I, there's certainly, I I certainly appreciate it, respect it, understand why it works for some people. I mean, look, I am an animal lover. And I do believe that, uh, especially in America, the food industry, uh, has gotten completely out of control. And we, it's, it's, uh, it's horrible, particularly the, 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 the poultry beef dairy industries. I mean, it's, it's really horrible. So in in terms of, you know, from an animal rights perspective, I totally get it. I totally, totally get it. That being said, I believe for me, there's a happy, you know, sort of middle ground, which is I, I want to continue to eat meat, but I, you know, I want to try to eat meat that, you know, is
1: like responsibly is raised. responsibly yeah. raised. Yeah. yeah,
0: exactly. And so you know, the good news is we live in a time where that is obviously a thing, right? It's very sort of easy now. It used to just be you know New York, LA, but you know now for the most part people are catching on. People want to know that their uh, food was humanely raised and treated, and so so it's easier to get that sort of stuff. Obviously, you pay for it, but it's possible. So that's the way I try to live my life. But, yeah, so I, I don't think I can. I mean, you know, there's a world in which, um, you know, I don't live in New York and I, and I hunt for my own food. I mean, I, there is something about that that I appreciate so much. I've hunted before and I've eaten the, the meat that I've harvested. And it's, there is honestly nothing nothing more satisfying on so many levels. And to me, that's the ultimate sort of sustainable Diet
1: It's really interesting you say that um because I wonder if it's like a feeling you get when you do that because you you just reminded me I went to culinary school in New York, and I had this one chef and I mean, this is pretty uh intense, but I had this one chef instructor that, if someone didn't want to watch like an animal being like broken down like butchering or wouldn't try a food, he always said. If you wouldn't kill it, don't eat it. You're right. Um, and I was like, "Whoa, damn!"
0: I think that is, but I, but I totally get that. I totally buy into that uh, philosophy and understand why he would raise that. You know, pose that question. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's. I, I wish I could do more of it. Honestly, I wish I wish I had more of an opportunity to do that. But you know, I once hunted an elk, and you know, these are big animals, and you know, uh, he was about 700 pounds and I probably got about 200 pounds of meat out of him, you know, and I had a, I had a freezer filled with meat that my friends and family and I shared in that bounty for the longest time. And it was amazing. And every single time I, I, we ate some of that, of that elk, there was something so, you know, it was, it was even more delicious. Granted it was, it, it, elk is incredible meat to begin with, right? It really is flavorful, it's lean, it's beautiful meat. But, but there was something extra special about that, knowing that I had, you know, harvested yeah, yeah. It myself. There's yeah. something really cool about that. Yeah. Satisfying. Yeah. That's,
1: that's super neat. Moving like later ahead in life, you briefly mentioned your wife and how she got you to be more of an open book. One of the other things my friends love about you is your wife. Um, (laughs) so, so Jenny, you guys have such a great relationship. What is the secret? The bachelor cannot be an answer. What is the secret (laughs) to your
0: success? (laughs) That's very funny. I, um, boy, you know, we just really have fun together. I mean, I think, you know, I, I married my best friend. I mean, she's hilarious. I think she's funnier than anyone I know. I don't know if she would say the same about me. She only because her ego couldn't handle it. But I know she <laughs> thinks it. I know that she thinks it. Yeah. I know she thinks it. That's so and, funny. And you know, yeah, we just we just really get along. And and I will say this in in keeping with my open book policy. You know, we've been in couples therapy since before we were even married. So for for us. You know, there's really something about just bringing everything to the table, being honest about your feelings and learning how to communicate them. You know, it's all about communication. I mean, if you're going to, you know, I've had past relationships and I see friends of mine with with the kinds of relationships where they they don't talk about how they're feeling. They end up, you know, swallowing their their feelings. And it's just it leads to just horrible resentment and then eventually, it just all blows up, you know. So if we can kind of just sort of put out the little fires as they rise, it makes it so much better in the long run, you know. So I don't know. I've i found that that's sort of we've we've been able. I mean, it's easier said than done, but for the most part, that's what we've been able to do. That's sort of our philosophy.
1: Sure. And wait, so she was recently bought mitzvud. <laughs> yeah. So was this in Israel? This was in Israel.
0: It was yeah. So we. We uh, went to Israel for her fortieth, and she she brought up the idea of getting bat mitzvah at the Western Wall, um, and you know I had organized this entire trip for her. And first of all, it had been kind of a pain. And she she was <laughs> she was she was a real pain in the ass about this trip because she couldn't quite land on where she wanted to go. For me, last year for my fortieth, it was very simple. I knew exactly what I wanted. We booked it. We were done. Jenny was really, you know, she, she just couldn't decide. And so by the time we finally landed on Israel, you know, time was, you know, we were already sort of crunched for time. And I, I put this trip together Not not trying to pat myself on the back, but whatever. I got the trip organized, booked restaurants, did all this stuff. And then she brought up, you know, it might be cool to get bat mitzvah at the Western Wall. <laughs> and. She, and I was like, wait, what? And she's like, <laughs> she's like, don't worry. I already talked to somebody who knows someone and I'll deal with it. And I said, okay, fine. No, no problem. So I booked the rest of the trip, handled everything. And then wouldn't you know it about a week and a half before we're going to leave for Israel. She's like, so anyway, would you mind looking into uh, finding someone who can do the bat mitzvah at the wall? I was like, wait a minute. What? what the, I thought <laughs> so anyway, ended up finding a rabbi. Uh, actually, an American guy who's been living in in Jerusalem for you know forty years now, and he he did it. He did this amazing service for Jenny at the wall um, on her fortieth birthday. It was really beautiful. It was really just a, a very cool experience. Really that's, moving.
1: That's super cool. Wait, so this was recently, no?
0: This was last week.
1: So I'm sitting here emailing you about scheduling a time when you're in freaking Israel, like in your wife's getting so. five minutes. Yeah, I'm, 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 a, I'm a jerk. Thanks.
0: <laughs> no, um, <laughs> listen, man, that's, that's the beauty of email. It's like, you never know. It's just yeah. kind of, you send it out into the ether and hopefully you get a response back. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I was emailing and
1: then I went on Instagram and I was like, wait, what? I'm like, what an <laughs> asshole. He's, his wife's getting about and I'm like,
0: let's schedule that's a funny. time. Uh, no, no worries at all. All right, uh-huh. so
1: let's talk pizza, the lovely world of Instagram, your wife's Instagram story. Was that her father that was just That downtown? was her father. Yeah, so that what, was her father. You or Did you order in from multiple places and like this continued on throughout the weekend going to places?
0: So no, so it just was, uh, well, we had, yeah, I mean, we had gone, I took him to a few different places over the weekend, but um, it's funny, her dad is let me give you a little backstory about her dad, first of all. He's a doctor. He's a health freak, okay? The guy is, is, I don't know if you could tell from her video, the guy is 74. He's ripped, okay? He's like, he like swims a mile every morning. He walks and runs every day, bikes. He eats really, really well. But he has certain things that he, Very you know, some quirks. Like he every morning eats a Granny Smith apple with JIF peanut butter. Okay. And and the man loves bread and pizza. Loves it, right? So like he clearly didn't get the no carb men memo. You know, he kind of skipped that whole like Atkins thing altogether. Dude is not shy about eating his carbs, but it doesn't matter because you look at him, he's just like in the best shape ever. So he loves pizza. So of course, whenever he comes to New York, you know, when he would visit us in LA, our last house that we had in Los Angeles, I built a wood burning oven. So I would make my own pizzas. And of course he was in heaven. Every time he would come over, I would make all these different pizzas for him. And he loved it. He's still my biggest fan when it comes to my cooking. I have to say, I love him. He loves my cooking. He loves my pasta too. So I made it on Thursday night when he was here, I made a homemade uh, sauce for him and made some chicken and the whole thing. And He's he's just the best. He's the biggest fan of my cooking. I love it. It's so good for my ego. It makes me feel like a real chef, even though I'm the even though I'm the furthest thing from it. But um, on Friday or Saturday, was it Saturday? uh, He's like, you know, I'd really like some pizza tonight. I said, you got it, doc. And at first I was just going to like, you know, kind of throw out some options, talk to Jenny, kind of figure out which place we should order from. And then I was like, wait a minute. Why do we have to decide? We don't why don't we order from a few different places? <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, we ordered, I think in the end, four different places for di- And, you know, we just went with the plain, you know, pie from each place, nothing fancy. And, uh, we just did a, had a fun taste test. Um, and our results were almost identical in the end. We differed on our numbers, number one and two, uh, we had them switched. I, I, I like this one place a little bit better than the other. And he was the opposite, but
1: wait, can you share where you ordered from? Yeah, yeah
0: of course. So we ordered from, we ordered from Bleecker street pizza. We ordered from Joe's pizza, the original Joe's we ordered from village pizza, which is this little hole in the wall on eighth Avenue and like just below 14th street.
1: I don't think I've had that.
0: Yeah. It's a real, it's on like the West side of the street. Um, and it's, it's, you'd walk right past it. It's just one of those slice joints that, you know, but, but, but it's one of my favorites, certainly one of my favorites downtown. And, and then the last place I decided to sort of switch things up and, and give him a, uh, go with a, like a grandma pie. So I ordered the, uh, um, uh, from Prince Street Pizza, I ordered their, their square pizza. Yeah. Just to sort of give, you know, like throw a little curveball in there, you know? So he, so Bleecker street was the first one to come. It got there. It got to us within 20 minutes. Okay. And of course we had a, you know, he's like, I'll wait for the other pies to get here. I said, no, 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 no. We have to eat it while it's hot. We're not going to do that. We got to, I was trying to time them all out to come at the same time, but that didn't work out. So I was like, whatever, have a slice. So right out of the gate, he was like, oh man, this is fantastic. This is going to be tough to beat. And so for him from there, it was all, you know, it was just, The bar was set really high, and there was ultimately no one that ended up usurping Bleecker Street for him. He was Bleecker Street number one.
1: Wait, where does he live?
0: He lives in Phoenix. He's in Phoenix, home, of course, of Pizzeria Bianco, Chris Bianco's place, which is fantastic. And, you know, I love that pizza as well. But, you know, I wanted to do – and that was the other thing. uh, On Saturday night, when we made this decision from where to order, we – I intentionally left out, you know, Neapolitan, right? I I figured I just wanted to go New York style pizza. And because, you know, that opens up a whole nother world, right? So we just stuck with New York pizza. So for me, Village ended up being number one. Bleecker Street was great. But for me, Village had a, Village has a really sort of perfect, even distribution of cheese has a bit of a chewier crust, which I like, a softer, chewier crust. Uh, Bleecker Street's got a tangier, a tangier uh, sauce, which sometimes I like, sometimes I'm not as into the tangy. But yeah, Saturday night for me, Village Pizza was number one, and then Bleecker Street number two, and then followed behind by Joe's and then Prince Street uh, brought up the rear. Nice. So. <laughs>
1: yeah. I will be going to village pizza for sure. My next
0: trip to yeah, New you York, go, you got to try it. It's just a real, it's just, it's cash only. And by the way, that was the, the only one, you know, the other three places I ordered off of apps, you know, seamless or Postmates or caviar village. You got to just, you got to call up, you right. got to tell them your address <laughs> and you got to have, and you got to have cash when the guy shows up, just like it's, just as if it was 1984. I was just going to you know? say, I was just going to say,
1: okay, so <laughs> yeah. this is hilarious not to sidebar or take time on this, but what my wife and I lived in New York for almost four years. When we moved back to Chicago, it's been like nine years now. Everyone's like, oh, you got to go here for pizza or here for, you know, whatever. And we, we were from here. So we know, or we thought we knew what we liked. Right. So we're like, you know what, we're going to do a pizza off. And so we ordered deep dish pizza, one cheese, one sausage from five different places. And I picked them all up and I put them all in blank boxes. So nobody knew what they were trying. No
0: way. And so made
1: everyone go through the line and put, you know, just ranked them one, one, two, three, four, five. Mm -hmm. But the funny thing is everyone like thought they knew what each of them was, but a lot they're like that's Lou Melnati's, hands down but it wasn't mm-hmm. it was Paisano's which is very similar to Lou Malnati's so it was super fun but we wound up doing this for like ribs and mac and cheese and Chicago <laughs> Italian beef so we did it for fried chicken I'm telling you the story because we did it for fried chicken and you know chef Lee Wolin from Chicago of course and so Lee's like dude let me make you fried chicken out of my kitchen, but we're not telling anybody that I made it. So we got fried chicken from four like solid Chicago fried chicken places. And then Lee made one. And of course he killed it. And uh-huh. everyone was like, where the hell is this from? Because it was like seasoned and herby, herby, <laughs> yeah. like delicious. And I was like, uh, that's bogus fried chicken. <laughs> they don't sell it. Um, it was super fun though.
0: Oh my God. That's amazing. <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile, I want in on that. I gotta, I gotta hit up Lee, dude. I want some of that Lee Wallen fried chicken. It's so what good.
1: So his newer place Somerset in Chicago. Oh, so Somerset
0: has it, so, has it, right?
1: Well, Somerset, I think has it when they, I feel like it's the only thing people ordered. So they moved it to like only Sundays, but he does a version of it as a fried chicken sandwich on the lunch menu and it is out of control. Yeah.
0: Oh my God. Really good. Dude, he, he crushes it, man. He's so good. He's
1: super talented.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love yep. eating his
1: food. A podcast about pizza. No, I'm just kidding. Um, all right. So <laughs> who do you, does Jenny cook too, or do you guys order in a lot or eat out mostly or kind of a combo?
0: It's a, I'd say it's a pretty, it's a combo. I'd say it's pretty e- evenly distributed amongst the sort of four components, right? Either I cook, she cooks, we order in or we go out. I would say I might cook a, well, maybe I cook a little bit more than, than she does. I've also had, my schedule has allowed me to a little bit more, you know, Jenny is pretty disciplined in terms of her writing schedule. So she's, you know, uh, she's kind of off writing. And if I, You know, sometimes my schedule is clear in the afternoon, so I can kind of invest a little bit more time into doing like a full meal. For example, making sauce and everything the other day when Jenny's dad was in town. I had the afternoon, so I did a whole thing. Jenny also, I, 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 how do I explain this? I have more recipes. I also am good at following recipes if I want to try (laughs) something new. Yeah. Jenny is way more abstract, not just in, you know, cooking, but in life, I guess. Like off the cuff? off the cuff and more just like, you know, you know what Jenny's great at? Jenny's great at a a one pot, you know, meal, you know, she's great at soups. She's great at stews. She's great at salads. She's great at anything where you can just kind of throw a bunch of stuff in a pot, season it up and, and kind of add or take away as you need. Um, you know, when it comes to Following, you know, when it comes to math, forget it. She's like, I'm out. <laughs> math, math doesn't belong in the kitchen. You know, she's like, I want no part of this. Whereas I'm very precise. I mean, I have, uh, you know, I have an immersion circulator. I sous vide my meats, you know, like I'm, I like the precision and, and the math and the technological components to, to cooking. So I'm, so we just have different approaches And then, yeah, and then, you know, of course, in New York, it's obviously super easy to to get anything you want here by ordering and and now made even easier with the proliferation of all of these apps. And then, you know, it's uh, we try to even though we're we're kind of homebodies and and we're lazy. I just love, you know, going and trying all the new restaurants. So, you know, I'd say we get out maybe once a week. We try
1: to any recent favorite places.
0: I gotta tell you, it, it's not super new. Uh, it's you know, it's new-ish, but Auto Mix. Oh, from, I'm dying to go
1: there. The Korean it's the Korean dude,
0: place, oh, dude. it it is legit. Uh,
1: I need to try that because this is their second one, right?
0: Yeah, they have Auto Boy, and now this is their their second one. And this this one's a more you know fine dining uh, tasting menu situation, and it is. Dynamite! They're killing it over there.
1: All right, I gotta try. They're killing it. it. that's yeah. good to know.
0: But I'm I'm behind, man. I'm behind. I'm, I had some you no, know, all for good reasons. I was working. I was busy. It's I've been we've been traveling a lot, so I haven't. Uh, I'm a little bit behind on my on my spots here. I got some catch up to do. In fact, there's there's a place I really need to go. Imported from from uh, your 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 town, uh, uh He just opened up down in Tribeca, and of course i dying to get my hands on that egg burger. Yeah. So I've got to get, got to get down there. Yeah. Um, do you guys have that
1: like never ending dinner discussion or decision? I like my wife and I, it's like, Hey, what's for dinner? Where are we going to go? I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do you feel like? Uh, I don't know. What do you feel like? Um, I could do a burger. No, nah, I don't want a burger. Um, yep. I could do barbecue. No, nah, I don't want barbecue. Well, what do you want? Uh, I don't know. <laughs>
0: yep. <laughs> oh, a million percent. And then you're annoyed at the other person for not coming up with anything, but then And yeah, and then they come or yeah, you come up with something and they keep putting the kibosh and then, but then they're annoyed at you for not coming up with something. And you're like, wait a second, I just, I just presented five options to you and you said no to all of them. So why am I in trouble for not coming up with a dinner plan? Thank you. Yeah. So (laughs) annoying. Yeah. We have that all the time. Now, do you have kids?
1: Uh, I have nine month old twins.
0: Oh my God. Oh my God. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. dude! Congrats. Congrats. Thank you. Thank but what's interesting, nine months. So they're, you know, either not my business, but they're either breastfeeding or on formula or something, I yeah. presume. Right. So yeah. they're not really, I mean, they've probably started to have some solids, right? right? Some right. some stuff. But um, once they are legitimately part of the dinner conversation and you have to figure out it, it, the whole thing changes. Enjoy the freedom now while you can to be like, oh yeah, barbecue, burger, whatever. Because once now, once you're ordering for them or cooking for them, not only does the timing of it all change, right? Because now suddenly Jenny and I, we don't eat dinner past 530, even when we're going (laughs) out by ourselves. (laughs) You know how like you could get into any restaurant. Well, that's what I was going to say. You know, like all these new spots, it's like. You try to get in. It's like five thirty or ten thirty. It's like we're psyched. <laughs> <laughs> like perfect. We're, yeah, we're like amazing. We'll take a party of two. Five thirty, yeah. please. Thank I always you. say,
1: I'm like, yeah, I say to Katie, my wife, I'm like, I, I can't wait till like they could just eat the food we eat. But I'm always like, wait, can't? I maybe I can wait. Like I was saying, right. I'm like, I can't wait until they're down to one nap so we could go like and do anything. But I'm like wait, maybe I can wait because that second nap time is nice to get shit done. (laughs)
0: Exactly. Yep. It's, it's so true, man. It's, it's all, there's always the opposite side to everything. So even when you're like, Oh, it'll be so nice when, uh, when they're potty trained and you don't have to change their diapers anymore. And then all of a sudden you find yourself like having to take the kid to the bathroom in the middle of the restaurant or the middle of a movie. And you're like, God, I wish you were still in diapers. This would be so much easier. Yeah.
1: You know, (laughs) God, we just traveled with them for the first time two weeks ago, visit my father-in-law in in Tulsa. And it was like a small, like two, two plane. Oh yeah. And as soon as they shut the, they're like, Oh, boarding door close. And then Leo, our little boy, of course, like, takes a crap. Went I'm like, nuts. Jesus. Oh, Leo. No. And then I had to wait till we were like 10,000 feet or whatever and change them in this like tiny bathroom. I'm like, this is not fun, but <laughs> I could say I did it. Nope. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Check it off the list.
1: Um, do you remember the first thing you cooked for Jenny or, and, or first thing she cooked for you?
0: Um, let's see. First thing I cooked for Jenny. Oh my goodness. Um, I think the first thing I cooked for Jenny, because we met in the summer, So if my memory serves, and it it, it also just makes sense, it's sort of in line with how my summers in Los Angeles were, but I barbecued a lot, right? So I I think the first thing I cooked for her was a piece of fish on the grill. Um, I think a piece of salmon. And then, of course, I had a steak as well. She's not much of a steak eater. Um, Yeah, so that was probably the first thing I made for her. Jenny, for me... Um, it's actually a very funny story about how on one of our first dates, she was like, maybe like our third or fourth date, I guess. She was like, I'll cook for you. And I went over to her apartment and she had a Thai food. It was gorgeous, like curry, like a yellow curry and some rice. And, you know, it was like, there was like wrapped in banana leaf. And I I was like, wow, this is Amazing, And she totally was like, yeah, I just, you know, just kind of <laughs> threw it together. And I was like, well, really? This is like amazing. And then, of course, I discovered the takeout containers in the kitchen <laughs> later on. And I was like, wait, were you not going to tell me? She's like, no, of course I was. I was like, no, you weren't. You were literally going to try to you were going to try to, to like get away with lying about cooking Thai food, you little
1: shit. <laughs> <laughs> she like, hiding like, takeout well, was, containers in the microwave. <laughs> yeah,
0: she was. She was like, well, they're trying to impress you. I'm like, oh my God, that's insane. But uh, I do remember she, again, remember, Jenny is very sort of like, you know, kind of anything goes, not a lot of thought into preparation, just like, here's some food, here's some fire, let's m- marry the two and eat some food. So, like, I do remember, um, she was staying in this apartment complex, uh, and, and I went to, to go over there one night, and she had just, like, gone to the store and picked up a bag of of, uh, of shrimp. And she literally, like, just took the – opened the bag of shrimp and just dumped it out onto the grill. <laughs> like, there was, there was no, you know, seasoning. There was no nothing. And and as each shrimp cooked, she would take it off and, and eat it. So there was no plates. There were no <laughs> – there were no plates, there were no napkins there was There was no seasoning. there was absolutely nothing. It was just shrimp dumped onto the grill and then as they so I was just like kind of it was kind of every man for himself and i 'm just sitting there like literally pulling shrimp off of the barbecue with my hands eating them so that was like one of the first meals she cooked from that actually she cooked for me, not the Thai. Thai food debacle notwithstanding. <laughs> That's so funny.
1: Okay, <laughs> yeah. so we, met, we, we were talking about kids a minute ago, and you have two sons. So Jenny's all over their school lunches, which she has this what, d- at dictator, d- dictator lunches, lunches. Yeah. which <laughs> is insane in, a, in an amazing way. I guess I have like a boatload of questions. Do you, are, there like, <laughs> are there like major likes and dislikes with your kids in eating or, like, or family rules when it comes to eating with them?
0: No, um, I have to say so far they've both been really good about trying anything. We've, we've kind of instilled in them, uh, this willingness to, to try something at least once. And then if they don't like it, we're not going to be the parents that sort of force them, you know, like you're not getting up until you eat all of your so-and-so. I mean, we kind of, you know, it's more like Look, if you're not going to eat, that's your dinner, you know? <laughs> so, I encourage you to eat it and 9 out of 10 times they they finish their plate. Um, you know, we had Sid's first nanny when he was born was uh from Guatemala, and so Sid has been eating rice and beans and pupusas, homemade pupusas since since he could, you know, eat solid food, and so he's he's got a really kind of interesting palate. He likes sushi, um, he, he, uh, he, he goes for it. Um, but he's also just now at like five and a half years old, starting to discover like things that he doesn't like, like he's, he's kind of like, I really don't like that and don't want to eat that again, you know? And I'm hoping that'll change again as he gets older. I mean, I remember I hated mushrooms when I was a kid. Couldn't stand when my mom would cook them, the smell in the house of mushrooms. And now it's one of my favorite foods. Um, So I I know it's all going to change and stuff, but, um, and then Laszlo is just a beast. He just literally eats anything that's in front of him. (laughs) I mean, he's just, anything goes with him. He's incredible. He's, he's like my serious eater. Um, but you know, the dictator lunches thing, it's, uh, for Jenny, um,
1: I mean, these lunches, I encourage like anyone and everyone listening (laughs) to check out that Instagram, they look like like if there was Michelin stars for lunches, <laughs> or like, like she'd have one for sure.
0: Oh my god, that's sweet. Look, she's more than anything. I mean, it's not. It's not just the photos. You really gotta read the captions because Jenny is a writer first. I mean, so so it kind of started where you know she wanted to make these lunches for Sid, and you know it was it was her way of you know connecting with him and sort of you know because he would go to bed and then she would be able to sort of make these lunches for him after he went to to sleep. And it was, you know, she would put little notes inside. And it was just a, a sweet thing. It just really started off pretty innocuous and innocent. And then she just started really getting into it. And she would start to see pictures online of other people's lunches and how they would do it. And she got all these... you know, she got inspired from all these different sources. And, um, so it took on a life of its own and she created this Instagram page and the captions, she creates these stories, you know, each, each sort of lunch is in theme. Uh, and she creates these funny stories. And so, um, you know, she really makes a point to, to, to expose him to different foods and, you know, we don't always expect him to to eat everything in in the lunchbox. In fact, most of the time he doesn't. But at least you know, a couple times a week, there's some new thing that he's never seen before. You know, and he usually tries it, and he might not finish it, but at least he's getting exposed to it. And I think that's sort of Jenny's biggest, you know, uh, that, that's what she hopes, and as do I. The the most is that he's sort of being exposed to all these foods. Because you know, look, I grew up you know, uh, really not exposed. I mean, it was very sort of, like I said earlier, kind of pasta, meat, potatoes, you know, lunches at school were just a sandwich, you know, brown bag sandwich, maybe an apple, maybe a Twinkie, you know, (laughs) and you know, that, that, that was it, man. That, that was sort of food. Um, so, you know, the fact that we can, you know, expose him to some of these other things is, is I think a real, you know, it's a real luxury. It's a real cool thing. So
1: it's great. I'm reading uh, a super cool book. We actually, I had Neil Patrick Harris and his husband David Burke were on this season of the podcast too, and they had mentioned this book they read called Hungry Monkey, and it's a mm-hmm. food writer from Seattle that wrote about his journey um, feeding his daughter. Um, oh, wow! And it's super interesting, and it's everything. It's more entertaining. I mean, I don't want to say I knew it all, but it's essentially a lot of what you're talking about exposing them to things. Because, listen, my almost nine month olds like if I'm eating something, they stare at it or they'll grab at it, and I could like say no, 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 and keep them away. But I'm like, hey, all right, you want to try this lemon cake? Like, take a little bite or you know, go for
0: it. So yeah, totally.
1: That's super cool. So all right, switching gears, super briefly. You have this new show uh, coming out, I believe. The premise of the new show, Outmatched, is pretty brilliant. Can you tell us about that?
0: Sure. Yeah. Thanks, man. It's um, it's uh, yeah. It's called Outmatched. It's a multi-camera comedy on Fox. It'll be. Uh, it's going to premiere in January. Uh, after the football season is over, it's going to be on Thursday night. Fox this year has Thursday night football, so it's going to be uh, when the football season's over. We'll we'll come in on Thursday nights, and the premise of it is really simple. It's uh, I, I play a guy married to his high school sweetheart. The two of us are you know blue collar South Jersey, you know not 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 super smart, not dumb, just kind of you know real average, and we just happen to have. Three kids who are certified certified geniuses, just off the charts, ridiculously smart. We have no idea how to communicate with them, how to talk to them, how to relate to them. (laughs) They're like pretty hilarious. They're like aliens in our house. And then we have a fourth kid who's, you know, not so smart. And she's our favorite. She's our favorite, of course. So yeah, um, it's uh, that's that's the gist of it. Kind of a Malcolm in the Middle meets Big Bang Theory uh, kind of vibe. And, uh, yeah, hopefully it'll, it'll be fun. We had a great time shooting the pilot. So I'm psyched that we get to do a few more of them. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. So what's easier playing a dad in real life or on TV? Oh my God.
0: On TV. Way (laughs) easier. Yeah. Even despite the fact that I have in the TV show, I have like a 16 year old daughter, which was not wonderful for my ego. I was like, there's no way you, anyone will believe that I could have a 16 year old daughter, but Apparently, people buy it, but uh, yeah, man. I mean, it's got I, I wish I wish someone was writing my uh, lines for me in, in in my real parent and and child interactions every day yeah
1: that's funny, <laughs> you know all right, so I have a few more questions under the social impact um, giving back, which is a big portion of this like for this podcast it's quite often chefs we speak with, and I always say how people don't realize how giving they are beyond what's on you know a plate that you eat in the restaurant Um, Mm -hmm. so for this season we've had some pretty good conversations and I've come across some various things you've done as I know many you know celebs do whether they're events or using their voice for something but can you share any causes or organizations that you or you and Jenny are passionate about
0: you know I actually kind of kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier We're, we're big into animal rights you know we've it's funny, we, we're involved in a, in a lot of uh, charities, animal charities, uh, specifically some here in New York. and a lot of our friends that are involved in these charities are either vegetarian or vegan and you know in that sense we're kind of the we're kind of outsiders, but it's interesting because we still believe in the causes so uh, passionately. You know we, we actually do a lot of work with PETA. And, you know, people think like, oh, OK, you know, like Alicia, right? You think, you know, you obviously have to be vegan and you have to. But, you know, we've done work with them with their on their campaign to uh, shut down SeaWorld and and get the uh, killer whales uh, sent to sanctuaries. We've done work with them in, in trying to get uh, elephants out of the circus So, uh, it's funny, we've done a lot of work with PETA, despite the fact that, you know, I still eat meat, (laughs) you know, it's funny when I work with them. And when I talk to my friends over there, we just try to, you know, I just try not to mention it, (laughs) you know, but you know, the truth is like, look, there's a lot of different ways that you can get involved over there and, uh, um, you know, they'll, they'll take the help any way they can get it. So, yeah. So generally speaking, that's where our, you know that, and then now that we have kids, obviously, when it comes to kids and and uh, and uh, you know medical charities, we're we're kind of we, we we step up whenever we get asked. You know,
1: I mean, I imagine you probably get asked a lot to attach your names to projects. How do you? Is there like a way you generally decide? Or
0: yeah, it's it, if it's coming from well, obviously, if it's a charity that's close to our sort of that either we've you know. Um, either us or our kids or a family member has been involved with or has needed. Obviously, that's sort of the first thing. But um, if there's if it's a friend coming to us who needs a favor, who needs help, because it's something that he or she is passionate about, we nine out of ten times step up and, and do it. And, you know, look, it's like as long as it ties into our core belief system, there's nothing bad that can come of it. Right. Like, why not? If we have the time, we might as well give back.
1: And does Jenny have? Does she have her, her own foundation?
0: So it's her. It's her dad and her stepmom uh, have have a foundation that's based out in Phoenix uh, called the Mullen Foundation, and it's and it deals with uh, childhood obesity and and food. It's food based and and exercise based, and you know, like I said earlier, her dad is a real sort of health nut, and you know, and just just has done amazing things for the community out there. He started a a ten k. Forty-four years ago, that's still running every year. Every year, uh, it's now a half marathon. It's incredible. It shuts down the entire downtown Phoenix for for a Sunday in November every year. Um, it's amazing. And um, so he like does a lot of stuff like that, and and we're involved with that as well. And that that really aligns with Jenny's and mine, but really Jenny's uh, beliefs about food and health. And um, so, yeah. and if you
1: don't mind me asking, what is he is he specialized in like? children's like pediatrics? No,
0: he's actually, he's a DO, he's an osteopath and he, um, you know, but he's just always been very, you know, he raised his kids in a very, to be very health conscious and sort of aware of what you were eating and aware of exercise. And, you know, he just, you know, for better or for worse, by the way, I mean, there's, you know, there's, you, you know, some might say if you pay too much attention to that stuff, I mean, there's, there's arguments to be made for, for everything. But at the end of the day, I I happen to fall on the side of, look, you know, pay attention to what you eat and, and try to exercise. Right. So, (laughs) you know, um, so yeah, so he's just, uh, he's just always been involved. It's, it's really cool. That's great.
1: And last question about this, do you remember uh, like, uh, the first time or a moment that inspired you to give back or that you gave back that you remember?
0: Hmm, That's a really good question. Um, that's a really good question. I, I don't actually remember. You know, I just remember after the first American Pie movie came out, there were a lot of people. Suddenly I was exposed to all these different events and charities and all this different stuff. And it, it sort of before that, it just never, it was never sort of, it never had crossed my mind. You know, you kind of just, it, 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 you know, you kind of grow up and you, at least where I grew up, kind of live in a bubble, you know, and, you know, there's so much world out there and there's, there's people who are in such different situations than you. And so the moment where it sort of really occurred to me that, oh, I have something that I could actually, I, I, I could give back, but because of you know, this sort of fame that I have now, I can actually bring attention to some causes and actually help some people and bring a smile to some people's faces. So so that sort of happened after the first American Pie, I started to get invited to these things. And at first I was like, what? You don't want me. But then it occurred to me like, oh, actually, I there is some value and I can actually help. And it was, it was very humbling, very humbling.
1: That's great. Yeah. yeah, that's very cool. All right, quick speed round. What did you have for dinner last night?
0: Last night... Oh my gosh. What did I have for dinner last night? See, this is the problem with having kids. Um, last night, what did we have leftovers? Oh no. Last night we, um, we, you know, Jenny's still riding high from our trip to Israel. So we ordered, uh, some falafel and hummus and some Israeli food from a place, uh, over in Soho. But it was also, it was, a. Uh, it was a supplement to some leftover for the pizza that we had the, <laughs> the other day, uh, and uh, some chicken as well that the boys uh, had left over from the other night. Awesome. Yep. Name a smell in the kitchen that you love. Oh my gosh, uh, roasted uh, a whole roasted chicken, garlic chicken.
1: Name a smell in the kitchen you hate.
0: Burnt, a uh, burnt ocean trout. <laughs>
1: um what makes you happy in the kitchen
0: what makes me happy uh when i if i'm cooking multiple things at the same time when everything is going and sort of in their sweet spot so got one thing in the oven one thing on the stovetop uh you know or two things on the stovetop and everything is sort of everything's mixed and done and now everything's just sort of cooking and i get to clean up while everything's cooking i get to put everything away thomas keller I'll never forget. He said, you clean as you go, you clean as you go so that when the food is served, you can actually sit and enjoy it with everyone. And that is something that has stuck with me so hard. So when I've got everything sort of made and it's, it's, it's cooking, I just attack the, 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 the sink. And that's just sort of my happy place. <laughs> so,
1: so smart. Yeah. What's your favorite thing that Jenny makes?
0: Uh, uh soup in the wintertime. She makes a, uh, like a kale soup so good. What's her favorite thing that you make? Um, I make a garlic pepper chicken that she loves.
1: Awesome, thank you. Um, looping back around to that number one, you reminded me. I wanted to say this earlier. If you guys haven't been, there is an Israeli restaurant in Philadelphia called Zahav. Zahav.
0: Yeah, Solomon. Oh, so good. Yes. So,
1: he Michael was he was early season one on this episode, oh, but wow. such a good dude. Is he? Yeah, and super talented. He's actually opening. He's got a few places, but he's opening another. I feel like it's like an Israeli cafe um, soon like within the next few months in Philly also. In Philly, but, yeah. Yeah.
0: He's good, man. Yeah, he's he's good. I uh, I need to get down to Philly and do Zahav. Um, I also, there's a few spots in Philly. Yeah, I also want to do Vetri. I need to do, um, yeah, it's been a while, man. I got to get myself down there. Yeah,
1: for sure. So a couple questions in closing. Given that you're an open book, what should people know about Jason Biggs that they may not
0: Oh gosh, um, hmm. Uh, I'm an aviation geek. Yeah, <laughs> oh, interesting. Uh, I'm an av geek, as we call ourselves. Um, I subscribe to different, uh, uh, like aviation-themed newsletters, emails. Uh, Jenny calls it. I used to have the magazines. Jenny calls it my plane porn. <laughs> um, literally just magazines with pictures of airplanes. I could sit and read for hours and hours. Um, That's so yeah, I could identify, cool. I could identify any airplane in the sky, any airline. Really? Yeah. I'm obsessed. Wow, I love it. Very cool. <laughs> Rand- random.
1: I love it though. You know, I, I, I feel like when I was a kid, I loved airplanes and I, I don't know if I would consider myself an aviation geek, although I'm so every time I travel a lot and still every time I take off, I'm like. How the hell is this how happening? Is it, how
0: are we lifting off?
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I have these apps on my phone that like a like a flight attendant would be like, oh, we use this weather app because it shows us where turbulence is. And I'm like, so people are like, what are those apps you have? I'm like, ah, flight attendant told me about it.
0: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. so
1: one final... A terrible question that my producer is making me do. Last time you ate pie and your favorite kind of pie.
0: (laughs) Um, Let's see. The last time, I think, um, was it Thanksgiving? I mean, it might have been Thanksgiving, unless actually I had um, like in early spring. I had a chicken pot pie. I, I ordered it somewhere. So I had a savory, but in terms of sweet, the last time I had a pie was, uh, oh no, actually for my birthday, just, uh, three weeks ago, um, I was having a conversation with someone about how much I love pecan pie. And she sent me a pecan pie from the Dutch, um, Andrew Carmelini's place, uh, in Soho. That was phenomenal. Um, so yeah, so my favorite, I I think my favorite would be pecan. I also am a big pumpkin fan, big, big pumpkin fan
1: yeah yeah same here i could like same literally here.
0: just i could with especially with a little cool whip on top i could destroy a whole pie in one sitting <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right dude thank you so awesome, much absolutely. for uh taking this time to chat i really appreciate it. it it was man. uh i mean lee's had great things to say about you and
0: awesome thanks cap i appreciate that man and uh listen give my best to lee that's a good dude right there um i will for him, sure. and thanks for, for i'm glad he hooked us up and uh I'm sure we'll cross paths again uh, soon. Hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to break bread one day. Maybe, uh, yeah, maybe, some, maybe some Elise fried chicken.
1: Yeah, sounds good. Awesome. Quote about giving back. As long as it ties into our core belief system, there's nothing bad that can come of it. Thanks again to Jason Biggs. Find him on Instagram at BiggsJason. Join us next week when Beyond the Plate presents Just the Plate, a short segment where our guests describe a dish or a recipe that is meaningful to them. You can find me and keep up to date with this podcast across all social media platforms at Cappy's Plate or go to BeyondThePlatePodcast.com. Beyond the Plate is on Twitter at BTPlatePodcast, and we are on Facebook. This episode was produced by myself along with Ian Cohen, Joel Yeaton, and Sean Petrosian. Big thanks to Andrew Glatt. Our music was composed by Goldford. Find him at iGoldford. As always, a special shout out to my wife, Katie. Thank you. Please rate, review and or subscribe to this podcast on your listening site of choice. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Plate. I'm Cappy and remember, there are never too many cooks in the kitchen.